A nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for laughter, self-reflection, and a breath of fresh air. All Trails Plus helps you plan your next hike so you can relax and enjoy the journey. Discover new trails near you with the distance away feature and get immersive trail previews and offline maps so you can take those exciting first steps with confidence. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23. On the show today, our main topic is going to be focused on the amazing speech given by Bishop Calvin Robinson at the Church of England's General Synod. We also would like to take a few moments to discuss the shooting tragedy in Nashville. All right, let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer, and this is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're so grateful that you're joining us. And if you're new here, uh, don't let the name fool you. We fancy ourselves as quite religious and uh, very Christian folk, Uh, but the world that we live in, and especially the country we live in, is not. It is increasingly secular, increasingly religionless, you could say, and that in part is where our name comes from. Uh, So our goal today, just like it is each week, is to try to figure out how we can live in this religionless world and still keep our eyes fixed on Christ and Uh, hopefully help you along the way as well. And that's what we're going to be trying to do. So as Nikki mentioned, we don't have a ton of stories to talk about, but we do have a lot to talk about. So we want to get into it. But before we do, honey, do you have anything you'd like to say? Any prayer requests? Anything like that? Um, pray for my uncle. Um, I think I had, I brought him up before when he was getting out of prison. He's having some health issues and he needs to have heart surgery. Um, so they're just waiting for his heart to be healthy enough. And so just pray, um, yeah, that all would be well concerning his health and, and pray for his salvation as well. I'm not sure, um, if he is saved. Um, I know that he wandered around kind of from faith to faith for a time. So I'm not sure if he's (laughs) saved. I haven't talked to him. Um, so yeah, just pray for him. His name is Freddie. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll mention in that vein, I've asked you guys in the past to pray for William, uh, a guy that I had known in the Bible studies at the jail. He had gotten out, uh, was still struggling with drug addiction. Well, he's back in jail. And, um, you know, I just got the sense the whole time he was out, he didn't, he would, he didn't want to be free of drugs. Um, he's didn't give off any indication that he was really willing to fight. Mm. So, you know, I pray, you know, I don't know, part of me wants to pray that God would, you know, be a little harsh with him, be a little strict with him, maybe give him a a lengthy sentence or something of that sort. But I don't know if that's just, you know, anger in my own heart. So forgive me if it is, but just pray that God would do what it takes um, to to break that addiction for William because he is a good guy and part of him does want to love the Lord and serve him, mm-hmm. but he just can't get past the drugs right now. So pray for William. I know I feel like a lot of people in jail or prison just from 
you know, knowing people in and out and from your experience in the jail ministry, that they seem to stay closer to the Lord and lean on, on him more when they're locked up. It's like when they get out in the world, it's that's what they're focused on is trying to get back on their feet and they kind of let go of their faith and I don't know. That's yeah. what it seems. <laughs> it does, you know that. Like for a lot of them. It might be just, you know, they consider it the jailhouse religion, but, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, they do seem to want to love God and strive to love God while they're there. Um, but they don't know how to maintain that once they leave. Those yeah. addictions and those bonds from their old life are just too difficult. So just pray for William. And then I do want to mention uh, this just happened kind of, you know, right before we filmed. Uh, so President Trump has been indicted. Um, so just pray that the country doesn't fall into complete chaos. I guess, you know, we don't know what's really going to happen. You know, he was brought up on, uh, I think what I saw was 30 different charges. You know, who knows what all that is. Um, but, you know, people are love him or hate him. Uh, that's kind of the only two camps there are <laughs> largely with Donald Trump. And, you know, so if you're in the love him camp, you know, this goes for you as well. Don't go crazy, right? He's not in jail yet. You know, this is just uh, indicted. He hasn't been charged. He hasn't been convicted or he's been charged, but he hasn't been convicted of anything. So pray that cooler heads would prevail and, um, you know, the country would not completely unravel. So just pray for the nation there. Yeah. And, before we dive into the the news that we have to talk about, I do just want to rem remind you guys, we are proud members of the Christian podcast community, uh, about 60 good Christian podcasts on there. And I will mention if you guys have time on Monday nights, I used to never have time because that's when I did the jail ministry, but on Monday nights, they do their, um, I can't remember if it's theology throwdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do theology throwdown on Mondays. And me and Nikki have never been able to be there. It's kind of an open invitation to all the Christian podcasters uh, in the community. So we're going to try to be there. And, I forgot uh, about that since moving out here and you're not in the jail ministry now. Well, and they got an <laughs> awesome topic coming up this Monday. So <laughs> it's one we've talked about. Is the Asbury revival real? Is it a real revival? So that's what we're going to be discussing. Mm -hmm. Should be pretty good. So if you got nothing going on on Monday, come join us there. And um, also, uh, you guys know how much we enjoy Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Talk about them every week. And um, I saw this story. And, uh, you, you know, every time I see one of these stories, the first thing that pops into my mind is Cardinal. <laughs> you know, American missionary pilot and two others released from a Mozambique prison. You know, so the story goes on to talk about how these missionaries were arrested and thrown in this prison in Mozambique. Um, they've been freed, but they can't leave the country. And, you know, obviously my thoughts go to, are you prepared to deal with a Mozambique prison? Are you prepared to get yourself out of going to a Mozambique prison? Uh, what happens when you're in that prison and they're questioning you? 
do you have any sort of training? Are you prepared at all in what to do in those situations? Because those are very real situations that missionaries find themselves in all the time. Uh, so you don't have to go into those situations completely blind. You can get trained. You can get prepared. You can prepare your team before they step out the door. It doesn't mean it's going to go easy for you. And it doesn't mean you'll avoid the jail time. But it does give you some tools in your toolbox so that you can make sure that you're going to make it back to your family, to your church, whatever it happens to be. Um, so consider reaching out to Cardinal, even if it's just to, to put some feelers out there, see what they can do for you. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And then lastly, you know, we have to shamelessly plug before we get into the news. Um, so if you guys enjoy the show, consider supporting the show. And you don't have to do anything differently than what you would normally do. We have affiliate links down in the show notes, Amazon, Best Buy, Christian Book, uh, ChristianBooks.com. Go there, buy whatever you need. We get a small percentage, doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps the show. And we'd certainly appreciate that. And another thing that would help the show is just dropping a like, a subscribe. Uh, maybe if you're on the podcast, leave a review. Um, a nice one. Consider that. Those things would all help as well. So, um, all right. Anything else before we roll? Let's go. Cue the music. Uh, maybe a bit bittersweet this week, but cue the music. Um, prepare yourself, gird up your loins, and steal up your soul. And uh, prepare yourself as we take our weekly trek through the valley of the shadow of death. Take a look at the news of the week. And as Nikki did mention, our main topic today is um, Bishop Robinson and what he had to say at the Church of England Synod, uh, but we don't want to miss the moment to address the tragedy in Nashville. Um, so do you want to just read this headline, honey? Uh, nightmare, six killed in calculated mass shooting at Nashville School. Yep, and then just read these first couple of paragraphs. A shooter armed with two assault-style rifles and a handgun killed three students and three staff members at a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, on Monday morning. The suspect, identified by police as Audrey Hale, 28, of Nashville, had a detailed map of Covenant School, a school for students in preschool through sixth grade, and allegedly shot through the door to gain entry to the school, police said. The children were identified by Nashville Police's Ev Evelyn Dykos, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney, all nine years old. The slain adults were identified as Cynthia Peak, 61, Mike Hill, 61, and Catherine Kuntz, 60, who was the head of the school, according to police. Yep, awful, awful story. Um, another awful school shooting. Um, and I am glad, you know, that we do this show on Saturdays because it does give us time to sort of digest the news mm -hmm. and not just react in the moment. Because um, sometimes it does take me a little bit, you know, to let the news sink in. Uh, so I really just have three points that I want to make on this story, honey, and you can jump in whenever you want. But first and foremost, uh, prayer. <laughs> prayer is needed. You know, you hear this sometimes on, you know, certain people, you know, ah, your prayers are useless. It, no. Prayer is what is needed um, for the family and not just for the family 
of the victim, of the children, right? They certainly need prayer. Um, but also mm-hmm. pray for the family of the shooter, you know, for the family of the victims, first and foremost, pray that, you know, bitterness and hatred um, would not mm-hmm. fill their hearts because I'm sure that that's building. Um, but then also for the family of the shooter, pray that remorse and reflection mm-hmm. would lead them to Christ if they've not, um, they're not already believers. Pray that this would be what draws them to Christ. Um, so pray. That is, what else can we do, right? We're right. hundreds or thousands of miles away. What else can you do? And even if you're right next to it, right? We have the ear of God. What else do we need to do besides pray? So pray. And then secondly, um, and I guess you could say this is a prayer for the family as well, um, but it's just as much for us. Don't let evil and tragedy shake your faith. You know, it's difficult at times like this to, you know, remind people that God still reigns. Mm -hmm. He's still seated on his throne. He's still sovereign over all. Uh, You know, that's not a message that people like to hear, especially in times of tragedy and turmoil. Um, but it's the truth, mm-hmm. and therefore uh, it needs to be said and it needs to be heard. You know, a true faith in God, I feel, you know, and maybe this is just me, but I've always had this feeling. You know, I've been in the military for a long time now, I've been to war, I've seen dead bodies and all that sort of stuff. And I've always had the feeling that a true faith in God shouldn't be f- shaken by tragedy, um, but instead it should reinforce our faith. You know, it should be these tragedies, you know, Mm -hmm. the way I process it and I get, you know, everyone's different, but, and I'll be, you know, I've never suffered a loss to this level, you know, heaven forbid, you know, losing a child or something, a loved one in such a manner, but tragedy, I feel like should be reminding you that there is an enemy who roams around like Mm -hmm. a lion, seeing whom he can devour, who he can destroy, you know? So when people are destroyed, you know, don't let that shake your faith in God. Let it be a reminder that we're at war and there is someone, Satan, who hates you. Um, and his all he's here for is to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, mm-hmm. So let the tragedy, and pray that it would do the same thing for these victims' families. Let that push them <clears throat> to God and not drive them away for, from God. And the same thing for you. Don't let tragedy drive you away from God. Let mm-hmm. it remind you of mm-hmm. the battle that we're in, that this is real. I mean, the stakes are high in the battle that we're in. I mean, I'm always just, I always reflect on this the book of Job. When tragedy happens, I mean, what happened to Job's children, his livestock, and um, I mean, his whole livelihood gone. And God allowed it, allowed the testing of his faith. And God did no wrong in um, allowing that. So we have to view everything, uh, I think, tragedy through that book, really, and yeah, I mean, not that's... sin against God when when we're tested. I mean, God, um, he uses, he allows wickedness in tragedy, um, as part of his plan to, uh, refine us. And I know it's a hard thing to grasp, but it's the truth. And we have to trust God that he is good and he's loving. And 
I mean, that's just, and if you veer from that mindset, you're on a dangerous path to judging God in what he allows. Um, people all the time shake their fist at God and, and, and judge him for what he allows. But you, you read the Bible and you see all that God has allowed. Um, so why judge him for what he allows in your life? When you see what, what he's already used, he uses evil for the purposes of good of his children. So, yeah, it's a hard thing to listen to and understand. And even when you're not in tragedy, it's hard to listen to and understand, but even more so when you are the one suffering, you know, that's a hard truth, but again, you can't run from it. Um, And another thought that I had on that is that, you know, death it's difficult, right? Anytime we lose a loved one, it's difficult. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine losing someone in this fashion, school shooter, yeah. losing a child this way, it's unimaginable. You know, I don't think you could possibly prepare or ever even really fathom the amount of grief that you would mm-hmm. be dealing with in that moment. Um, but death, you know, I believe it's not the great tragedy to those that die as it is to those of us who are left behind. Yeah. Um, so long as you're in Christ, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, then death is a necessary transition. However you transition and whenever you transition um, from this realm to the next, death is the mode. <laughs> That's how we get there. And so I think for those who make the transition, it's not quite the tragedy as it is for those who are left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, But I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So there, you know, Paul saying, even understanding <laughs> the means of transportation or the means of transition from where he is to being in Christ's presence, he still desires to be with Christ. That transition is worth it. Um, So I know we struggle with it greatly, but, you know, I think there is comfort in the idea that we're struggling with it far more than they are um, because they're in his presence. (laughs) And where where better is there? Um, And then another part, you know, evil's part of this world right? Sin brought death with it. And we'll all meet um, that end at some time, you know, some point in time, we're all going to meet death, (laughs) you know, as long as the Lord tarries, we'll all come to meet our end. Um, So again, let the evil that's around you remind you of the war that we're in. And you know, with war, people die in war, right? Even the innocent die in war. Uh, And that's just the nature of war. And we're in a spiritual war. I think anybody that has eyes of faith can see that the spiritual war is ramping up. Um, It's getting more serious and more deadly every day. Um, So if you haven't seen it or you haven't noticed it, you've been blind to see it, open your eyes, look around you, read the Bible, and then look out and see what you see. Uh, And then once you realize what you see, as we always say, steal up your soul gird up your loins. Um, but you need to be grounded in your faith. 
uh, because none of us are going to get out of this war with it without taking some kind of damage. Uh, but again, don't let war cost you your faith. Right. Um, God is still on his throne. As we mentioned, his word is still true. Uh, Ephesians or not Ephesians revelations 21, three through five reads. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things passed away and he who sits on his throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. What a wonderful promise to hold on to in times mm-hmm. of tragedy. Right, for these words are faithful and true. Mm-hmm. And then on my third point, the last point, you know, our nation, our leaders, they have no solution to this problem, um, which is sad to say. You know, you've no doubt heard on one side, they're yelling, ban the guns, right? You know, the predictable chorus. And then on the other side, you're hearing the cries of, ah, well, she was transgendered. We're proved right. Or he was, she was, right? It was a she to a he. But our nation and our leaders, they've rejected by and large uh, the solution to this problem, which is Christ. That is the only solution. And as our nation continues to move perilously down the road of, you know, secularism, materialism, atheism, which is all ultimately nihilism, this will continue and more than likely it's going to increase, you know, is what we're going to see. Because this is what the world that rejects God looks like. Um, Evil and depravity, you know, because with this shooter, like there's no justification for what this shooter did besides just simply pain and just evil. You know, the stories try to give some caveats of, ah, she was, she went to the school and had a bad experience or whatever. There is no justification for this. You don't shoot innocent children because you have a beef with someone or something, right? Because you think a system wronged you or oppressed you. You only go and kill innocent children when your goal is pain. Like, this is just demonic. That's all it is. Um, In a secular society whose only interest is self and money cannot solve that. It has no solution to that. Um, So what I think we need to be mindful of, uh, we can't fall into the trap of thinking like, oh, well, you know, we just need to come together now. Tensions are getting too high. We just need to come together now. Let bygones be bygones and just love one another. That's what we need to do. No. Mm. (laughs) What we need now more than ever is an unrelenting chorus of Christ followers speaking the truth against a society that has rejected truth. Um, Again, we're in a war. And the fastest (laughs) and the best way to get out of war is to win that war. You know, and ultimately, America, we may lose the war in this nation. Um, And that's kind of the way that it's tracking, you know, but only God knows the end. Uh, We don't know. So we fight. Uh, 
but we do know that if we stop fighting, we ultimately will lose the war. And if we mm-hmm. do lose this war and the secular atheist take over control of this nation completely, we know that more pain and more destruction is coming on their heels. So if we just stop fighting, mm-hmm. we're just inviting more of it. Uh, yeah. So it's terrible what happened, but we only make it worse if we give up sharing the truth of God's word. Uh, this world yeah. is lost. It's dying. Pain and evil is everywhere. And the only hope that they have is the only hope that all of us have at the end of the day, which is Jesus Christ. Um, so don't be, uh, I guess, confused or uh convinced that now is the time to backpedal now is the time to be quiet absolutely the wrong thing now is the time to get louder um share the truth mm-hmm. of god's word more boldly that's what the world needs so do you have any last thoughts on this story honey just in general <laughs> just <laughs> evil mm-hmm. faith anything in general before we dive into bishop robinson nothing new that we haven't said about shootings before, I guess. Yeah, you know, and that was my original thought, which is why I'm glad we record a little bit later, because when I see these, I'm like, brother, here's another one, right? Like, what do you say? You know, is it even worth addressing? Everybody's heard about it. You know, so if we would have recorded an episode right after, I might have not even mentioned it, but I'm glad a couple days get to go by and you think it is worth addressing, you know, because again, I don't think this is going anywhere. What solutions are they offering that's going to stop the next shooter? A worldly solution is what they look to. They think there is one. But right. And we know there is no worldly solution to this. Um, this is not, uh, if she had more money, you know, it's, those are all nonsensical. This is demonic influence. Uh, it's a wicked and evil person um, seeking to inflict pain. And, you know, a society without God as the sort of focal point, the the guiding light, they have no solution to that. So, um, yeah, just, again, pray for the families. That's what we can do, and that's what we should be doing. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether you want a laid-back trail to hit with friends or you're planning something more adventurous, All Trails Plus is your guide to making the most of your time outdoors. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus with code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. All right. So you guys may have heard of Bishop Robinson. Maybe you haven't. He's kind of been the hotness, if you want to call him that there, in the Christian circles as of late, since this Church of England synod. And, you know, this is the speech that we're going to be talking about. You know, the excellent YouTube thumbnail, the speech that shocked the world. Uh, maybe. I don't know if it shocked the world, but it certainly brought a smile to our face. So it's not a very long speech, about six and a half minutes or so. And we're going to play all of it. We just broke it up into clips. We're going to play a little bit. Of and discuss it as we normally do. So anything to say about old 
Bishop Robinson before we get to this first clip here? Um, nope. I'm still learning who he is. I didn't really know until we heard the clip. Yeah, and I will just caveat I mean, like not really, I guess. We're not claiming that he is, you know, <laughs> the apostle Peter or anything. There very well could be some things in his theology and beliefs that we don't agree with. We don't know. Uh, this is really our first introduction to Bishop Robinson, but it was a good one. So let's get to this first clip. The Bible backs all of this up. It's very clear throughout on this matter, whether it's nine verses or 32,000 verses. Marriage is between one man and one woman for the purposes of procreation. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. And that is the same for heterosexuals as it is for homosexuals. Although the Bible is quite clear that same-sex relations are abhorrent. And before some smart Alec starts ask, asking me the question of whether I'm wearing mixed fabrics, there is a difference between the moral laws and ceremonial laws. And Christ did come to fulfill the old laws. Both the issues of marriage and homosexuality, however, are still addressed in the New Testament, in Paul's epistles, but also in the Gospels. Jesus does talk of marriage in Mark and Matthew, both in the context of heterosexual union. Yeah, so right out the gate, <laughs> you know, comes out um, just speaking truth. And, you know, there's an old Vody Bacham sermon. He's probably said it in other sermons, but, you know, he mentions that whenever a preacher speaks on homosexuality, the sermon dies the death of a, of a thousand caveats. Um, but not here, <laughs> not with Bishop Robinson. And I so appreciated this. No caveats. No, well, what I mean, but let me just, no, just, this is what the Bible says. No apologies. Yeah. And what a breath of fresh air that was. And, you know, it made me think because we talked about Rick Warren last week, like I would give a hundred Rick Warrens and purpose-driven churches for one Bishop Kelvin Robinson, you know, the courage for Christ in the face of this opposition Rick Warren would never give that speech, ever. Mm -mm. No chance. I mean, the scriptures alone are divisive, and as the wolves have come in and deceived the sheep, it's it's just naturally uh, not going to be received well. So this is just what happens when we let the leaven of the world in. It's hard to clean up, you know? And Bishop Robinson was there trying to put a lid back on and they were fighting him. But, you know, thinking on the courage of this man, I mean, when you watch the video, you know, consider the audience that he's speaking to, like who he's delivering this speech to, Mm. you know, he's standing an arm's length away from a building full of people who disagree with him. And in many cases, probably consider him a bigot transphobe. Uh, And he'll even mention that later in the speech. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, you know, we've all heard that, right? Those lame accusations that they try to throw around just to silence you and silence the dissent. Um, But, you know, I I wasn't there, obviously, for old Martin Luther and uh, his great stand, but it made me think of that, the famous Martin Luther quote, here I stand, I can do no other, right? Here's Bishop Robinson, he can do no more. Uh, Just absolutely... Love the boldness. I know, me too. And he said in another podcast I was listening to, 
um, that he was actually really nervous uh, giving this speech. Um, but he said that Jesus said it wouldn't uh, be easy, you know, to stand for the truth. And he said he doesn't regret uh, speaking the truth. Um, I'm just really glad to see, you know, church leaders uh, speaking this hard to swallow truth uh, today <laughs> and unashamed. <laughs> and that's a great reminder for all of us. You know, nobody's ever remorseful over being afraid, but speaking the truth. No one ever after the fact goes, oh, I can't believe I went and told them exactly what they needed to hear. Oh, but they're always <laughs> remorseful when they go, I know I should have said something. Ah, I had the opportunity. Right. You know, how many times have you had somebody and maybe there was a window to like share the gospel and you think maybe, ah, oh, this might be an opening and you let it pass. And then you get home and you're like, ah, man, Lord, I'm sorry. I had a chance and I punked, yeah. you know, and you're never remorseful over doing the right thing, especially in the realm of standing for Christ. So we're all, you know, it's human nature to be afraid to stand and face your, you know, accusers and the dissidents. Uh, but you'll never be remorseful for taking that stand. So next clip here. So my question to the bishops would be, do we not believe in the authority of scriptures anymore? Can we pick and choose which parts of the gospel we adhere to? The church. Yeah, just a short little clip there. Um, but I think this is a question every affirmation preacher should be asked just as point blank as they're asked here in this uh, speech that Bishop Robinson gives. If you can dismiss God's instruction on marriage and even God's decree on how we were made male and female made in his image, what else will you dismiss? Like that's a point blank question that should be asked of the Andy Stanleys of the world. Mm -hmm. um, as we talked about with Rick Warren last week, because, you know, this is part of that, you know, probably old heretical movement that's resurfacing in our day. It probably never actually went away. Um, but this idea of the non-inerrancy or the, the fallibility of the Bible, you know, it's like as this LGBTQ movement and the, the gay marriage, the same-sex marriage stuff has kind of been being pushed to the forefront, the more you see these people that well, the Bible's inspired, but it's not inerrant. It's not infallible. You know, more and more of that. I've been seeing it endlessly on, you know, Twitter as I scroll through to see what the supposed Christian intelligentsia has to say. And um, you can see that being represented here with the Church of England. I see this guy named, I don't know who he is, Kevin Young. <laughs> he's I don't follow him, but for some reason, he's always on my Twitter feed. And everything he says is basically anti-Christian, yet somehow he's a, mm. you know, doctor of some sort of Christian study. I don't know. Um, but it's the idea that, you know, he keeps putting forth and you hear it a lot. Inspired, but not infallible, not inerrant. Mm. Um, so therefore, in that context, right, whatever doesn't line up with a person's, you know, secular, anti-Christ worldview or their secular lifestyle, Ah, well, that was simply an interpretation error. You know, it's probably the patriarchy or 
whatever, some other named group of oppressors that jammed that in years ago. Yeah. It's not really from God. Like, so people doubt that God's word and his commands are eternal, I guess, or people think God's ways are just outdated. Well, yes. I think if you got down to the crux of it, they would say it's outdated. Uh, and I think he even mentions it at one point in his speech talking about we need to sort of update the religions to modern societal norms or something to that effect. All that comes down to is just we don't need God anymore. He's so outdated in every fashion that we don't even need him at all. That's Again, what it that's comes why to. this is a good question for the so- so-called affirmation preachers, right? What else can we dismiss from God? And if we can't dismiss this, why can we dismiss that? Right. What's your justification for, you know, dismissing marriage, dismissing male and female, but you want to uphold tithing? You know, the church needs its money, right? <laughs> yeah, they'll can never no get rid of that tithe? one. Can I just keep all the money to my, I don't need to give gifts and offerings. That's, uh, we're not an old, you know, Jews given to the temple Let's tax. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Which one are you going to let go of? So I'd love to hear, maybe that's a, someone start a YouTube channel, just going around to affirmation preachers and saying, what else can we dismiss from God's word? I'd watch that channel. We'd probably even highlight one of your videos here. So, <laughs> all right, let's see what else Bishop Robinson has to say here. As we heard earlier, Jesus is described as the bridegroom so that we may know how he relates to us. Two grooms would be pointless. Christ is already in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's us he's inviting in. Two brides is what we're looking at here. The church is attempting to marry itself and to leave Christ out of the picture. We are directly talking about undermining God's plan as he has revealed it to us. We're replacing his authority with our own. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent, as the whole speech is. I mean, I think this is well deduced. <laughs> I think, yeah. right? We idolize ourselves. We're mm-hmm. replacing God with ourselves. Um, our happiness is the chief end of modern man. You know, the original, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Is that what it was from the catechism? Mm-hmm. Not the modern man. The modern man. Our happiness is our chief end. Um, There's no room for God. There's no room for Christ anymore. And there's certainly no need or definitely no desire for his authority. Mm -mm. You know, ah, sure, we'll take a little bit of your teaching about judge not. We'll take that one. We'll take the love your neighbor as yourself. We like those ones. But otherwise, modern man has no need for Christ and his authority. That's outdated, as Nikki said. Yeah, modern man knows knows God is real though. Like they they want to convince themselves that he's not real though, or they just reimagine who he is today. So how can God serve us and our desires? God is love, so of course he wants me happy. He would not ask me to deny myself things that make me happy. They want a Christ that does not ask us to deny ourselves. That would make us not our own God, though. They make God out to serve them, to love them instead of us loving God. 
Intolerance is the new definition of loving God. We love God through not hurting other people's feelings, even if it's with the truth. And Calvin pointed out um, in another podcast that affirmation is the most unloving thing you can do. He said, uh, concerning those who want to have uh, transgender surgery and uh, that it's unloving, uh, that it is loving to teach them to love themselves just the way God made them in their bodies. He said, I love you as you are, and I want you to love who God made you to be as well. So it's hateful to agree um, with their hatred of themselves. I thought that was really yeah, I mean, a good way to put it. Affirmation care is the least unloving thing that you can do for someone. And it's so ridiculous because gender, as they've twisted to mean, you know, something other than sex is the only area really, I mean, maybe there's others, but the only one I can think of or that you see where affirmation is the treatment plan. You know, I heard someone mention this week, like you wouldn't give affirmation care to an anorexic. If she said, I just can't Mm. keep the food down. I just... I feel so ugly and fat. You wouldn't go, yeah, you're a pig. You're a fat pig and you shouldn't eat. That's a good point. No, just keep puking your mm. food up or keep not eating whichever one, bulimia, anorexia. You wouldn't give affirmation care there, right? True. As we talked about before, if someone had a rage and a murderous rage issue, you wouldn't go, yeah, you should kill people if they get in your way and they upset you. I'll help you find the victim. Let's pick out somebody that you can beat to death with your bare hands. Like, no, you would give them the help that they really need. But it's somehow an affirmation for gender. It's just the complete opposite of what a treatment plan should be. It does. It's, you and know, it's healthcare. Like, <laughs> yeah, healthcare. And, you know, we've talked about it. If, you know, You'll probably have to watch this piece on another uh, or listen to the podcast, but it's... I decided to call it voluntary population optimization. Voluntary population optimization. Whatever will kill people, yeah. Even loving yourself to the point of death, really. Like, if we gave in to every desire, every slothful, you know, all the sinful things we get into and become addicts and we would kill ourselves. Honestly, we'd slowly kill ourselves. The first command is, you know, be fruitful and multiply. The devil doesn't like that. The devil hates us being fruitful and multiplying, um, in my opinion. So, but, you know, this ties back in with a previous story that we've talked about, uh, or the one, the previous story that we did talk about with the trans shooter. Um, Because everywhere today, you know, people are being told in one way or another to idolize themselves, mm-hmm. you know, to make themselves their God. You know, how often do you hear, you know, this group or that group, this, pre- you know, people group, whatever it happens to be, um, that you need to be seen. They need to be heard. They need to be affirmed, right? Mm-hmm. On and on. This world must recognize you and they must celebrate you. And that is the exact wrong thing to teach people. Um, we know this because scripture teaches something completely different. Um, in John chapter 3, verse 30, we see a wonderful example of this. Um, we really read what the proper mindset should be of people. 
John chapter 3, verse 30 reads, simply, he must increase because I must decrease. So this was said by John the Baptist. And mind you, John the Baptist uh, is the man that Jesus Christ himself said was the greatest to be born among women. Or was it man? The greatest to ever be born. I'm getting my words mixed up here. But John, right? The one who Christ himself deems the greatest says, I must decrease because Christ must increase. So that's the mindset. But today, modern man, the guy who wants to dress pretty, we're told he must be seen. He must be heard. He must be celebrated, right? It's completely backwards. Mm -hmm. um, it's completely opposite of the way we should be teaching people um, to live their lives. It's not everybody's responsibility to make you feel some mm -hmm. sort of way, to make you feel whole inside. It's not society's job to do that. Society has society to deal with. And if you put all of your hopes and dreams and joys and aspirations and what other people think about you, you're always going to be let down. Because guess what? Nobody cares about you that much. You know why? They're too busy self-idolizing themselves to really care about you the way you need them to. Mm -hmm. So die to yourself, lift up Christ, you'll find happiness because that's the way God's designed it. Um, mm -hmm. It just works that way. So um, let's hear what else Bishop Robinson has to say. We have a, plenty more clips to get through. If marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, are we open to the idea of polygamy? We disregard the heterosexual aspect, so why not the monogamous aspect too? If love is love, as we keep hearing, who is to say that three men loving each other is not more love than two men loving each other? Shame and generosity. And I'm sure someone in the... So, uh, excellent point, of course, but I'm not sure if you could hear it in the video. Uh, maybe you could, but when he mentions that three men loving each other, potentially being more love than someone hoots in the background. And what happens in the synod of the Church of England, their great leadership of that Christian institution of the Church of England? Well, all the heretics infesting that building in the church clap and laugh over that perverse hoot. And why would they clap and laugh over that perverse hoot? Because this is not serious to them, to the group of heretics there. The defense and proper understanding of God's word is not important to them. Um, what I do love, though, uh, is Bishop Robinson in this clip. Because <laughs> as they're hooting and hollering, uh, he yells out or he just speaks shame, degeneracy to the people that are clapping and applauding, you know, homosexual polygamy. That's what they're clapping about wow. and cheering about. And I'm glad he said it because of course it is. <laughs> it's degeneracy, it's shameful. Um, but this is man's arrogance and it's yeah. man's heart of stone that won't allow, you know, the truth to get through their ears. They've hardened themselves. They've closed off their ears 
to the truth. And it's a shame. Yeah. I was just thinking how he's speaking in the hearing of fools. And Proverbs 23, 9 says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. And I know he's speaking because it is right to defend the truth. And it's also being heard by many in the faith who love the words he is he is speaking. And he said elsewhere after after this meeting in the other podcast I was listening to um, that he became depressed after this um, and wondered, you know, what's the point? And and I, I understand that. I'm sure we'd all kind of feel that way. Um, just being in that room full of people who are anti-truth, anti-Christ, really. And um, but his courage to speak the truth um, will embolden others to do the same. And just little by little, you know, we'll make a difference and at least for God's kingdom. So that's what matters. Yeah. And the point is, it's always important, you know, because at the end of the day, we're playing to an audience of one. Yeah. God is watching. So we take the stand. You speak the truth. Will it make a difference? Only God knows. But you make the stand, you speak the truth, because at the end of the day, God is watching. And that's what matters. That's who you're defending, right? And you're doing it um, to bring glory to God. And, and you know, I mean, everyone knows, right? That, And obviously we've seen how it plays out. The Church of England votes to bless same-sex marriage. Uh, Bishop Robinson's pleas went, unher- or went, went unheard. Um, but still, he was victorious in this. Mm-hmm. He took a bold stand, even against his own nerves. And God heard it. And, um, you know, millions are being blessed by what he said. Uh, but even more importantly than that, he said it and God saw it. That's the point. Um, we got more from Bishop Robinson. I'm sure someone in this chamber has echoed the words, love is love tonight. And this is not about love being love. This is about marriage, the sacrament of holy matrimony. It is re- directly connected to love, but it's not the definition of love. Too many people utter those words and confuse the meaning of love. Agape, the biblical context of love, is a divine love. It's a sacrificial love. It's not lustful. People often conflate sex with love. It's very disingenuous. We've heard quite a bit of that. But then, of course, atheists often pirate the words, God is love. And we've heard that one tonight, too. Again, without any understanding. Yes, God is love. So much good stuff there. Um... But I will say, I think he makes the mistake early saying that what they're discussing is about the sacrament of holy matrimony. No. <laughs> For him, it's about the sacrament of holy matrimony. For those in the chamber that hooted and clapped just seconds ago, you know, about that perverse jeer that happened, it's about casting the wide net, being appealing to the, you know, the broader secular world out there. God's sacraments are not a concern. Membership roles and acceptance into society is what's important to those in the crowd. You know, these men who voted to drag the Church of England into this new, you know, modern apostasy, it's the same men that Martin Luther and the Reformers fought against. It's the same men that the Puritans fought against in their time. It's men who exchanged God's truth for a lie. Um, It's the same men that Paul warns us about in Romans 1.25. He says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the Creator 
or the creature rather than the creator. I mean, it's the same men because it's the same spirit inside all of them, um, the spirit of the Antichrist. And he says also in there, he says, uh, atheists often parrot the words, God is love without any understanding. Um, and I think this is a really good point, though he doesn't really make the connection here. I'll do it for him. <laughs> he says that they've heard that phrase, that atheists often parrot, God is love, in that meeting. Which again, like I said, he mentions that's a phrase, atheists often parrot. And that is because those in that building that use that phrase to support LGBTQ and same-sex inclusion in the church are atheists. <laughs> regardless of the title they hold, the position they hold, or the garb they wear, they are atheists just the same. I know it's actually worse to know God and mock him with your lifestyle and and twist his teachings than to actually be an atheist who never followed God at all. And on the love is love thing, uh, let's see what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians, oh, I did not write down, which everybody should know this one, <laughs> 13. Yeah. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So love is not self-seeking. Isn't that what people are doing and redefining what love is so they can appear to not be self-seeking? Basically. <laughs> they don't seek to obey God, but their own lustful desires. Uh, and love does not delight in evil. Hmm. Homosexual marriage is evil. So how can you call what is sinful love? Right. And homosexual marriage is not marriage. <laughs> it's funny. I actually saw a video from Rick Warren's replacement pastor at Saddleback, Andy Wood and his wife, and they were discussing the topic of should gay, I think it might've been gay men or a homosexual couple, should they get divorced when they come to Christ? And they were struggling over that, like, ah, you know, oh, God hates divorce, so I'm not really sure. Wow. Not a real marriage, right? And like Nikki said, love, um, you don't drag somebody into sin and away from God that you love. It's not real love. Um, I can't believe there's so much confusion on that. Well. Really? Yeah. I mean, there certainly shouldn't be. Scripture is quite clear. But, you know, you, you don't believe in God if you're willing to dismiss his commandments, if you're just willing to just throw out his commandments, his decrees, because it doesn't fit with secular society, you don't believe in God. Um, you don't mm -hmm. neglect clear teaching in favor of serving your own desires. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's not that they don't believe it's that they, they just hate God really. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine they hate the restraints that Christianity or mm -hmm. whatever puts on society but maybe they like the moral superiority mm -hmm. that being religious gives them. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But they certainly don't believe in God because there's no fear of God in them. 
Um, and you could say there's no fear in God because there's no true faith in God in it's like them. Just how Satan wanted to elevate himself, you know, before he was cast out of heaven. It's that same thing. They think they've got it figured out more than God. You know, they're more loving than God. We've said that before. They, they're helping God figure out the rest, you know? <laughs> yeah. They have the internet. They don't need God anymore. We have Wikipedia and Google, God's old news. Um, but, you know, those who know God, those who have faith in God, fear him properly. Mm-hmm. You know, where is the working out of their faith with fear and trembling, as Paul teaches us in Philippians, with the Church of England right. leadership? There's right? absolutely no fear. No, yeah. when you're clapping and giggling over perverse jeers in this chamber, there is no fear. Again, because the Spirit of God does not reside in them. Like God is holy. He's still holy. Everything he has said. There has been no third testament same. recanting <laughs> the first two. They still stand. And I just want to highlight um, this point of fearing God with scripture. And I can't possibly read through all of them. There's far too many of them. There's probably many more than I even pulled up. But uh, just in my little quick search of the phrase, fear the Lord, 32 times in scripture, uh, fear of the Lord, 27 times, fear God, 15 times, and fear of God, 10 times. Uh, so that was just a quick cursory search, and I'm sure there's far more. So I'll just read one of those many verses, and this comes from the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6. Um, and again, just for reference, my quick search, uh, 13 times in the book of Proverbs, we're told to fear God in some way, shape, or form. But Proverbs 16.6 reads, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Yep. So, by turning, or by fearing the Lord, we turn from evil. Well, then what do we do when we don't fear God? We turn toward evil. Yeah. as the atheists in cleric garb within the Church of England have done. They aren't believers. Um, because if you believe in God, you fear God. Again, you may mm-hmm. sin and make mistakes, but you don't outright dismiss God's word if you truly believe in him, because you would have fear of him. Right. The Bible is very clear. <laughs> we are to have a proper fear of God. Um. Well, Bishop Robinson was not done, so let's go on. Another one we've heard plenty of is inclusivity. Should the church be more inclusive? Again, it's a play of words. It's, it's virtue signaling. It's to appear good rather than to be good. The church should absolutely be inclusive. Christ spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is they who went away changed, not Christ. We are fallen, therefore we are all sinners. The church is open to sinners, of course it is, that's the purpose of the church. But it should not be to encourage people to continue to sin. Our duty as clerics is to help lead people to Christ, to lead them away from sin, not to embrace it, not to affirm it. I know. So, you know, he is, of course, <laughs> spot on here. The DIE, Mafia, 
they are coming for our churches. Um, we've mentioned that many times here on this show. Inclusivity in the body of Christ is not really a thing, as the secular world means it. As they mean inclusivity, that is not a thing. Um, as Bishop Robinson mentions, yes, we're all welcome. We're, you know, we as Christians are told we're compelled to tell them to come in. Go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. But once you're in, <laughs> there is only one image that we're being remade into, and that is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There is not some diverse set of models that the Holy Spirit's remaking us into, this wide swath of Christian type. You know, this isn't some MMORPG that you can create your own character in heaven and be, <laughs> we're being remade into Christ's image. Um, Colossians three, verse nine through 10 says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, you know, but then again, as we mentioned, these DIE acolytes, they don't believe in God. They worship themselves. I was listening to some, I can't remember what, um, priest or pastor, whatever he was, whatever, he had his rainbow sash on. And he was saying... Demon-possessed is what he was He said, we are made in the image of God. And you know, he was going on saying, well, God is transgender and all the things that everybody else, you know, can claim they are, LGBTQ, all that. So he was saying, God is all those things. And we're made in the image of God. And if we are these things, then God is those things. And like totally flipping it around. And I'm, this is where it's going. Like the worst preaching you can find out there, like that's where it's headed. Right. I mean, these people a couple uh, millennia ago would have been drug out in the street and stoned to death. Um, yet yeah. today they get budding YouTube channels and uh, book deals. Yeah. To disparage the name of God. So he's just pretty much saying, I'm a sinner. So that means God's a sinner. So he's saying that's God's not holy. What well, That's what it comes down to. Right. I mean, ultimately, again, because you're going to dismiss any of Scripture, you're going to dismiss all of it. Um, you just pick and choose what you like, you dismiss the rest. Uh, but, you know, Colossians 3, that verse there, I think it's an interesting, uh, all of Colossians 3, if you read through that chapter, um, it would be interesting to ask or maybe to hear these secular clerics in the Church of England um, ask them some questions and hear them on this passage because it says in verse 5 about what it is we put off to be renewed in the image of the Creator. And it says, starting off, sexual immorality, impurity, and passions, right? Those are all basically sexual sins. Um, so again, we would, we would guess and we can assume well, and in fact, we know that these secular clerics would say all that is allowed in the church, regardless of what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, taught. That's all allowed now. So then if you go down to verse 8, it says in Colossians 3, verse 8, to put away anger, wrath, and malice. So would they say those are acceptable traits now to be inclusive of today? Hmm. Uh, what if the angered man verbally berated an LGBTQ member, maybe just before coming into church. Maybe he berates the member cursing and screaming in the parking lot 
Uh, maybe he comes into the building and is still screaming and cursing at him. Can they stay? They're still allowed to be full-fledged members. You know, hey, we know that Jesus taught that anger in your heart, right? Then you've committed murder already. So what if the wrathful or angered man beat someone to death in the parking lot and came into church still covered in blood? They allowed to stay? Their membership is still intact? Can they go and don their cleric garb and get up and preach? Or is that one unacceptable? The first three, sexual immorality, impurity, and passion, those are good. But it's those next ones, those ones we can't take, right? How would you separate the two? Right. How would these clerics separate the two? And of course, we know how they would separate them. One, the sexual sin is becoming accepted in society. So they accept it. Anger, wrath, that's still generally frowned upon, at least for now. Yeah, so they won't accept that one. Society governs their beliefs, not scripture. Mm -hmm. Again, just like atheists, because they are atheists. They don't believe in God. <laughs> That's why society governs how they feel about the Bible. Would be interesting to ask. Boy, I would love to ask that question. Hypothetical. <laughs> Tom beats John to death in the parking lot and comes into church. Are you good with that? I mean, he sure, he may go to jail because it's against the law, but is his membership intact? When he gets out of prison, he good to go? How do you feel about that, cleric? Interesting answer, I'm sure. I'm sure they would rightly divide the word. As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. The trap that we're falling into in this debate is looking at the church through the eyes of the world rather than through his kingdom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. short and sweet, um, just like we were saying, the world dictates what they accept, not God's word. And, you know, this is the heart of progressive Christianity. You know, whether it's the Church of England, Andy Stanley, it doesn't make a difference. This is the heartbeat of progressive Christianity. The world dictates what they believe and what they accept, not the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll twist, they'll dismiss, they'll distort whatever the Bible says, to make it comfortable with the modern society, wherever that's going, you know, they're not going to demand that you return to God's decrees. Mm -hmm. We'll just dismiss those decrees. Um, and we'll just kind of decide what the world likes. And if they don't like it, then we'll just get rid of it. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. Society's not down with it. Yeah. And he spoke on this a little in the other interview I watched. Um, he said that people are shaping their faith around their lifestyle and not the other way around, like they should. Um, and our view on everything needs to be shaped by God's word. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this plenty with politics. This is the same thing people do with politics now. Our faith should govern our politics, and if it yeah. did, we'd still live in a moral society. Yep. But we allow our politics to govern our faith. You know, so we say, I'm a staunch believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a Democrat. What does the Democrat Party believe? We should allow killing babies through legal abortion up until birth? Okay, well, then the Bible supports it. You're like, how? I don't know. I'm a Democrat. So it must. Rather than, you know, looking at the Bible and going, that party looks satanic. Maybe I shouldn't be a part of that party. No, no, no. I'll just twist the Bible to fit 
so that I can feel comfortable voting for Joe Biden somehow. I don't, I don't get it. I, <laughs> I mean, and it's fine. If you want your lifestyle to be your lifestyle, just, <laughs> just don't drag why call yourself a Christian. God's I don't know. Through the mud. I don't get the draw. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just makes people feel happy to think that they're in right standing with God. And um, I mean, I'm sure it does because we know we're a moral people. We know that morality and values exist. Yeah. And an atheist doesn't have an answer to any of that. So they have to cling on Mm. to it somewhere, maybe. So it's a little easier to be connected to the Bible without actually adhering to it. I think people know how foolish it is to deny the existence of God and they just pick a popular religion. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Part of the in crowd. It won't be the in crowd very much longer. Things continue to trend the way they're trending in this nation. But more from Bishop Robinson. We're not done. In the secular world, we already have equality in law. People can enter civil partnerships or even gay marriage outside of the church, and that's their prerogative. However, the faith is inherently discriminatory. God is discriminatory. He sets conditions on us entering his heavenly kingdom. It is not a free-for-all. We must turn away from sin, repent, and follow Christ. It's hard to pinpoint your favorite part of this speech. (laughs) But that one is high on my list. Um, I'm so glad that he mentioned that because it's a part or a point that needs to be mentioned. It doesn't get mentioned enough. Christianity is inherently discriminatory. Um, But again, you know, tying this back into what we were saying about the diversity, inclusion and equity folks coming for their, you know, coming for your church like they came for the Church of England. Um. And like we would say, being an instrument to destroy your church, uh, that's what they're there to do. But like he says, Christianity is inherently discriminatory. The road is narrow, Jesus told us, right? The image of, you know, like we mentioned in Colossians, that we're being renewed, of what we're being renewed to is a singular, right? It is into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not like we mentioned some wide swath, some wide variety. It's inherently discriminatory. Faith in Christ is the only way into the kingdom of God. These yeah. are all discriminatory in some manner. Um, inclusivity, as we mentioned, the way that the world means it is unbiblical. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that he said it. I know. And I was thinking how God's God's love is unconditional and that he died for our sins, not based on our own righteousness or anything good in us at all. He died to set us free from the power, the bondage of sin in this life. And people who claim to be set free but love their sin have not been set free. Um, no. I'd say they are not saved. And Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And they're trying to serve the devil and God here. And you can tell which one they despise because it's the one they're trying to change, which is God. Yeah, they fully accept who Satan is. Yeah. But they're just not pleased with who God is. So they're going to change God. Um, yeah, inclusivity, not a Christian principle. All are welcome 
But once you're in, we're all being remade into the same image. It's the image of Christ. Um, and I think that, again, that is a point that should be preached in every church, especially in today's day and age. You cannot duck that question. Yeah, he People died. Need to hear it. He died for us while we were sinners, while we were his enemies, while we followed the devil. He died for us. And you don't come to Christ and continue following the devil. It's... No, he says to pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say grab your cross and go wherever you want with it. Um, just meet me at the end. Follow me. So if you're following him, you're going where he's going. That's the idea of following. So you're not following him when you're running 180 degrees in the other direction. Um, just a great point. So um, a couple more clips here to get through, but they're all worth it. So as I wrap up, my message to the proposing side is do not lead us astray. Do not lead people astray. Do not be the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not be the false teachers that the Bible warns us about. Remember your obligation to defend the faith. Stop teaching about diversity, inclusion, and equality, and get back to teaching about redemption and salvation. This is spiritual neglect. Help people by telling them the truth. Be kind to people by supporting them through those struggles and reminding them that Christ suffers with them. And be compassionate by leading them to Christ when the world tries to lead them away from him. All right. I have a new favorite clip now. I just listened to it again. That's my new favorite clip. Um, you know, we've been asking now for a while on our show, where are the leaders with spine? You know, C.S. Lewis wrote years ago, men without chest. You know, men without chest. And we started asking, where are the men with spine? Well, mm. here's one. <laughs> uh, because sinners must be warned of their sin. That's part of the process. And Bishop mm -hmm. Robinson, you know, he's out here doing it very bravely, I would even uh, mention. I mean, he's speaking with, like, he's sure of the authority of Scripture. Yeah, because like, he believes it. in it. Like, you can tell, like, he's not afraid of them. Like, he, I know he said before, like, he was nervous, but you don't, you don't get that. Like, he's just, he believes the Scriptures he's speaking. He's just... He knows it's the truth and he can speak confidently. Yeah. And it's so refreshing. Yeah. Um, but you can say now, right, at least these atheists and clerics garb, clerics robes, they're without excuse. Their errors have been made known to them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Bishop Robinson wasn't the only one to speak out during this synod. You know, there were many others there and I wish we had their names so we could give them credit. Unfortunately, this is the one that we know about and we've heard. Um, but this is Christ-like. This is what a follower of Christ, right? We're supposed to follow after him. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is what Christ looks like. Um, to stand in the face of your detractors, mm -hmm. in the face of sinners, and explain to them the state of their souls. You know, the DIE crowd in this chamber, they're false teachers, <laughs> They're wolves in sheep's clothing, clothing, as he mentioned, and they're leading yeah. their members away from God. But now they are without excuse. They've heard the truth, so God have mercy on their souls. Yeah. Um, but this is what spine looks like. We all may not have an opportunity to stand before the Church of England synod and proclaim the gospel like this, but you have the opportunity. 
mm-hmm. in your workplace, with your friend, with your, and it yeah. doesn't have to be transgenderism, right? This is a, a heavy lift for somebody to try to argue against. But if it's a, your drunk uncle, <laughs> you know, you can tell him that drunkenness is a sin, mm-hmm. that we're called to be sober-minded, right? If it's your womanizing cousin, we can tell him about the warnings against sexual immorality. So they're without excuse to just say, man, it'd be uncomfortable. That's weird. It is uncomfortable, but I mean, Jesus stood against the religious leaders of his day too. And I'm I'm sure it's very unsettling, but God is with those who speak the truth and they'll be richly rewarded in heaven. Yeah. Like we said, I mean, it is unsettling to stand and speak this way. Um, But again, be of the mindset that you're preaching to an audience of one. You're standing before God, you know, so speak honestly, speak true and, um, you know, trust that God will reward you for your faith, Um, even if the world hates you. But again, remember, the world will hate you. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of the sign if you, you know what you're doing, say, what's right. Oh, but they'll be mad at me or, you know, I'll ruin our, our friendship if I if I speak about the sin in their life and they'll think I'm a hypocrite or you will be called names. They are probably going to even believe the things they say about you, but really be faithful to what God has called us to. And and it is, we do it all in love. Right. And one and day they'll know. Here's the big uh, secret. We're all hypocrites. That's kind of the idea of being a Christian. We know the right way to do things and we can't do it. Or we just outright refuse to do it. <laughs> That's why we repent. We know that we can't do it. We read it. You know, don't lust after you're like, and then a girl walks by. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Right? Like, we're all hypocrites. We have to repent. We have to confess our sins. Or if only non-hypocrites could speak, nobody would speak. <laughs> Christian or atheist alike, Buddhist or Hindu alike. If, if hypocrites can't speak, nobody speaks. So don't let being a hypocrite stop. You embrace the hypocrite, uh, hypocrite label and say, praise God, he died for a sinner like me. I mean, just admit you're a sinner. I mean, you're, a, you're wrong if you say you never, never sin. But, but God gives, like you said, God gives you the strength power to overcome sin, you know, when you're tempted. So. All right, let's see. We got a couple more clips from Bishop Robinson. We're nearing the end. The church is imploding and the faithful masses have stopped turning up on Sundays. And we are seeing the most rapid decline of Christianity in this country that we may have ever seen. Do not accelerate it with heresy. You do not have the authority to bless sin. When I hear the Bishop of London on record saying these new prayers will mean priests can bless same-sex relationships, some of which may be sexual in nature, I hear the devil at work. Bishops are promoting the idea of sacramental sodomy. Let them be anathema. Repent. Now that one's my favorite. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to say it anymore because every clip I listen to is my new favorite clip. Again, even though I've heard this like four times now. But yes, that is my current favorite as well. Um, because again, there is spine, right? To call the Bishop of London the devil at work when he speaks what he says. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you can hear it in this video, but when he says that, that when he hears the Bishop of London bless same-sex marriages and say, you know, they'll bless them, that that's the devil at work. You can, uh, you can hear the crowd sort of begin to kind of gasp and murmur. And you can see in the video, they all start like they fidgeting. Start moving. And they were uncomfortable. They, yeah. They did not like, like such a oh, frank statement. Is the devil getting exposed? <laughs> yeah. The inclusivity crowd did not really care for that level of truth being spoken. Yeah, that made them uncomfortable. Yeah, it was awesome. But again, this is this is the truth, right? Uh, this is the devil at work in the church today. And those who propose taking the church away from scripture are mouthpieces for Satan. Yep. You know, the, the problem is we beat around the bush so much here um, in our society, and especially in the church, that nobody just calls calls it what it is. There's mouthpieces for Satan. Yeah. I mean, think about what he said there. The Bishop of London said that he is now authorizing his clerics, his bishops, to bless same-sex marriages and bless sexually immoral lifestyles. He has now authorized his bishops to bless what God has called abhorrent and called sin. He's now placed himself above God. That is satanic, plain and simple. And you just see more going on in the world, this evil being called good and good being called evil. It's just more and more of it. You can't not see it unless you're just, I don't know, head buried in Pornhub and you just can't lift your eyes up to see beyond, you know, your own level of depravity. But I'm so glad he said it. And more than I'm glad that he said it, I'm glad that he said it as clearly as he did. Very well-spoken man. Speak slowly. I could probably learn a thing or two from Bishop Robinson. Uh, so we have yeah, two more clips here. And we won't tell you that they're our favorite clips as soon as we listen to them again, though they probably will be. I have no doubt that some of you will consider me a bigot or a transphobe or a homophobe, but I am neither of those things, none of those things. I am simply a follower of Christ, a Christian. And we are naturally countercultural. And if so-called liberals were truly diverse and tolerant, they would embrace us just as they embrace everyone else. And the, Not right now, I'm just wrapping up. And the point has been made, but... The growing Christophobic attitude around this public debate and the ugly level of of hypocrisy is that we really see people hold Muslims and people of other faiths to the same expectations that they hold Christians to. Who is calling, except my good friend here, for Islam to embrace gay marriage? Who is calling for the Quran to be updated to modern societal norms? (laughs) So, um, well, I guess this is new. This is my least favorite clip because it's the one that makes me the angriest. (laughs) Um, When he says this about calling other faiths to update to modern societal norms, if you're not watching the video, you'll miss it. And you should go check it out. We'll have links in the show notes, of course. But this guy down in the front row, when he says that, you know, and you hear him say, except for my good friend here, um, which I'm assuming is just sort of British parlance, like probably not a real good friend of his. But that's just kind of the way British people, you know, the honorable gentlemen and these sorts of things. It's just the way they talk. Uh, Although they could be friends, I don't know. But when he says that, you know, who's calling these other faiths to update to societal norms? This one guy down in the front row raises his hand, smiling, wiggling in his seat, 
you know, to let the crowd know that, oh, he is, right? So proud to let the whole crowd know that he's not just a heretic by Christian standards, but he'd be a heretic by every other religion standard as well. And boy, is he proud of himself. You know, like you could almost make this guy the face of progressivism, smiling while showcasing that he wants to dismantle your religion. But he's right there, smack dab in the front row of the Church of England Synod. You know that they, yeah, they'd be too afraid to tell the Muslim faith to to change. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe this guy, I mean, who knows what he's done, but like, that's his stance, right? It needs to update to societal norms. That then what is the point of religion? I know. Right? By any religion standard, let alone Christianity, then there is no religion. It's just democracy. Right. Take a poll. What's moral today? Uh today, you know, uh being generous is moral. Okay, then tomorrow, since the barbarians overran the gates, they're in charge now. What's moral? Raping women. Okay, well, raping women's moral. Have at it, boy. Like, just update to whatever the latest trend is. Whoever's in power and they deter, like, the guy, you know, I had to caution myself quite often when watching that clip to not say things that would lead me into sin. All right, final clip here. It is the same, mind your language, it is the same patronizing attitude of people of other, that treat other faiths, patronize other faiths while being intolerant towards Christians at the same time. It's a shame, but in the words of St. Athanasius of Alexandria, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Thank you very much. If the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Man, that speech and that quote at the end was so, I would say, powerful. Uh, We even had to change the board behind us and put the quote up on there. Uh, So if you're watching on the video, that's the quote. Uh, It was worthy of being thrown up there. Yep. And what a perfect way to end that speech to highlight that those there, like the proud man in the front row, they're the world that is against the truth. And yet, even after hearing all that, they're still with the world and proud to be so. I wonder if anyone in there had their heart, conscience pricked at all. I'm not sure. You know, I didn't hear testimonies of people coming out yeah. And again, he wasn't the only one to speak that way. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Lord, I hope so. I know. And I was just thinking with all the, all the twisting of scripture to support homosexual lifestyle and homosexual marriage. And what about those who struggle in this area, but they are following scripture and in agreement with what it says? But maybe those like who are weak in the faith are now being told to go against their conscience. Uh, These church leaders are using scripture to convince those really who struggle in this area, they're convincing them to sin. And I just wonder if there are those who maybe uh, have been deceived, um, who've given in 
um, and went against their conscience. Um, and these these church leaders are going to have a lot to answer to God on account of causing so many to stumble uh, who struggle in this area and are trying to avoid homosexual sin. Right. I mean, it makes you think, you know, we've mentioned on this show many times, right? James 3, not many are called to be teachers because they'll receive the greater condemnation. And, you know, imagine, and again, this is the idea of, do you actually believe in God? Because if you believe in God, and yet, like Nikki said, you're telling people to go against their own conscience, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading them, you're convinced, you know, ensuring them that going against that into this sinful lifestyle is okay. God is awaiting you at the end of your life. He is awaiting you and you will give an answer to that. And if you actually believed in God, you actually had the fear of the Lord as scripture um, tells us we will, if we're true believers, we will have a, you'd be paralyzed with fear over no, I mean, maybe just consider back in your life, the things that you've done and just your own stupidity and Mm. childish ignorance where you've led people into sins or, you know, maybe, you know, sleeping with a boyfriend or girlfriend when you were younger. And like, you think back on that and it's like, oh, shameful. Like, how could I have, I led them into sin. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. what if, what's their life like now? Maybe I set them on a path where they're far from God and it was my fault. Yeah. But to be a church leader, to presume to speak for God, you know, and that, and to push people away and tell them God's okay with it. The greater condemnation is waiting for you. That should be chilling. Um, But again, that's only if you believe in God, then it will be. So just, man, what a powerful speech. I think, you know, one of the, the better presentations of faith that I've heard in some time, it was pointed, no dancing around the idea, no softening language, no death of a thousand caveats without being over the top either, not being overly bombastic, just speaking the truth to a lost and dying world. So again, they're without excuse. And now, you know, I think you'd have to mention, I understand that Bishop Robinson is a cleric in the Church of England, and therefore we probably, you know, have certain theological points of disagreement. I don't really know all of the Church of England beliefs, but I'm okay with that. And the reason I'm okay with that is because you can hear from his speech that he believes the Bible to be the Word of God as he understands it. And that's the difference is... He believes God, um, you know, he believes God, even if we might say his interpretation is wrong, if we disagree on something, he believes in his interpretation just the same as I do. But these LGBTQ activists, this inclusivity activists, they don't believe in God's word. They believe in their feelings and they just want their feelings accepted. Um, Because, I mean, you're trying to muddy up the most clear, easily understood Mm -hmm. verses in scripture, right? It's like Rick Warren, like we talked about last week. Uh, First Timothy 3, Titus 1. I mean, who knows what those mean? 
they're the most clearly understood verses in scripture, right? right? And they're doing the same thing here. You know, it's one thing though, to read the Bible and believe it means one thing and then actively try and live according to what you believe it says, that's faith. And that's what you see from Bishop Robinson. Even if he interprets it different than you might interpret it, the way he reads it, he's saying that is the way we are to live and I'm going to live it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an entirely different thing than reading the Bible, understanding what it says and then living opposite. And that's what you see the Church of England has done here. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can be someone like a Baptist or whatever um, and uh, have a discussion with a Pentecostal or something to like, you know, to that effect. And again, I don't know where you would place Church of England on that, but you can have an honest discussion with Christians who have a different interpretation of scripture so long as they're submitting their lives to their understanding or their interpretation, right? If a Baptist and a Pentecostal both love God are serving God, you know, you can sit down and have discussions and share fellowship with them. Um, but someone who dismisses the Bible in favor of their own lifestyle choices, you know, but still wants to call themselves a Christian you can't have fellowship with that person. Um, you know, but you get the sense. And again, this is just surface level one speech from Bishop Robinson in a podcast. But you get the sense you could sit down with Bishop Robinson and you could have a discussion about the Bible and you might learn a thing or two. Um, and maybe you show him a thing or two and you both come away with a better understanding of the Bible. You know, but that dude in the front row raising his hands and wiggling in his seat trying to destroy every other religion just the same as he's trying to destroy Christianity. You know, he's that kind of person like Rick Warren was, as we mentioned, right? You could show him Genesis one twenty seven, God made them male and female. And he would just go, yeah, that's hateful. No, I mean, it says it right here. And you said you're a Christian. So you can't fellowship with people like that. But with no. Bishop Robinson, even if there's disagreements, I mean, we have people on this channel that we have some, you know, interpretation disagreements with. So blessed to learn what they see in Scripture. And it's opened our eyes to certain things, right? Blessing, because you get the sense that they truly love God and are seeking Him and serving Him the best they understand it. Mm -hmm. That you can fellowship with. Those who just dismiss it, even when they understand it, you can't fellowship with that. Yeah, like issues of sin, like... Sin is very clearly laid out, listed um, several several places in the New Testament, and there's no there's no way to you just can't get away with the sins. Like, and it even says after a long list. I think it. I don't remember where I was writing it, reading it today, but and then it says after the list, like and things like this. So even if it's not specifically listed, things similar to that, you know? Yeah. You know, people argue, oh, pedophilia is not mentioned. Uh, that would be things like that. They'd go on that list with it. Yeah. You know, and we've mentioned this before. Like, there are things in Scripture that can be a bit murky, you know, where there's honest disagreements between people, you know, things like, you know, 
election, uh, the sign gifts, uh, the end times, right? There's honest people, thoughtful, God-fearing people that read these and they make good arguments both ways, right? And that's, you can sit down and be like, I believe, you know, in you know, this end times philosophy and I believe in a different one. And you can still have fellowship there. Right, right. You know, but yeah. when it's something as God made them male and female, and you go, well, they can change it to whatever they want. God's yeah. gender queer, just like us. And you're like, you can't fellowship with that. Yeah. There's no truth there. Um, there's no truth seeking there. It's self-seeking. So yeah, that's um, self-seeking. Absolutely loved it. Um, this is our sermon recommendation for this week as well. We'll also try to include the podcast that Nikki's been referencing um, from Bishop uh, Robinson because it's worth giving a listen to. He makes a great point in there where he talks about, you know, why is he so critical of the Church of England? And he says basically he's critical because he loves the church, you know, and he wants to see them correct these errors. And then he makes the point, you know, the guy asks him like, well, why are they doing this? And he says, you know, the bishops, the clerics at his level, you know, they, they love God. They're trying to lead their members, but he's like, it's the hierarchy. And he makes the point. He's like, they're embarrassed of the faith. They're embarrassed that as society moves further from God, they're embarrassed to stand on the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. They want to capitulate so that they're accepted by society. And then he makes the point as well that the church is in decline and their only goal now, the church leadership is to manage that decline. Um, they yep. see the way the tea leaves, you know, read, and they're just managing the, the decline and trying to save face through this downfall. And is there a more shameful thing that you can say about a supposed Christian than capitulating to the whims of society just to save face? Um, you know, it'd be better to be <laughs> like Stephen and drug out in the street and stoned to death uh, while still praising the Lord and to manage decline, to save face. It's um, shameful and it's cowardice. And if you remember, cowards in the book of Revelation are the first to be listed to not inherit the kingdom of God. You don't want to be a coward. That's a bad spot to be in. Um, especially when you're standing coward before the and... line of the tribe of Judah. Uh, yeah, we can't be ashamed of his words. When we're ashamed of his words, we're ashamed of him. And he said, he'll be ashamed of us. Yeah, someone uh, ought to point that out to them. So awesome speech. Please go listen to it if you haven't already. Share it on social media. Share it with a friend. Share it with a loved one who you know is struggling with this. Um, Again, it's uncomfortable, but the truth needs to be heard. Uh, So that's all we really have. We'll be back. I know we didn't get to our Bible topic. Man, you know, every time we try to plan these episodes in advance... Now, next week, we'll talk about this. Life just, you know, it happens so fast and the stories are, um, you know, you don't want to miss any of them. So we're still going to try to get to knowing sin. I think we're on chapter four still. Mm. Uh, Maybe next week. We'll see what the Lord has in store. Although if President Trump gets thrown in jail, who knows, right? But that's all we got. We'll be back on Monday with our daily devotionals. Uh, Until then, though, we hope you have a blessed rest of your weekend. A nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for laughter, 
self-reflection, and a breath of fresh air. All Trails Plus helps you plan your next hike so you can relax and enjoy the journey. Discover new trails near you with the distance away feature and get immersive trail previews and offline maps so you can take those exciting first steps with confidence. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23.